And I was like, what the fuck? I, I, you know, I had to go see my priest after. It was fucking, you know, it's unbelievable. It's, it's a, <laughs> you know, it, it made me, I, I went to the fetal position and just quit. Welcome to Rogue Bows, the basketball series. Back again after a fortnight break, much to pros' demise, but uh, back with a lot going on in the NBA, a lot of fun things to talk about. And pros got his Yellowstone uh, Dutton Ranch hat on. Where'd you get that from, bro? Got it from a place called Bucky's in uh, in McKinney, Texas. Denton, Texas. Denton, Texas. So I'm a huge Yellowstone fan. And also, the, the, the camera that you sent me has this light that shines on my dome. So I can't do, I don't know why it just turned on and I can't turn it off. I have no idea how to turn it off. So the only way I could uh, protect myself is wearing my Yellowstone hat. I'll have to get tr uh, producer Trent to start doing some Googling for you again. Um, again. Yeah. Trying, trying to fix some tech things for you. The Rondo, the Rondo nameplate is straight this week though. So for everyone out there wondering, my, he's straightened my it wife, up. I was gone for the weekend. My wife put up. I have a Casablanca. I'm a huge Casablanca fan. She she hung that up in my office, so she must have fixed the Rondo deal. So, and I didn't tell her. I, I didn't tell her. She doesn't obviously. She doesn't listen to the podcast. She had no idea. She she just straightened it. I have no idea how it straightened. Looking good though, pro. Way to put some put some work in there to to make the room look nicer. Old producer guy will be proud of you with the you know the the sound barriers on the uh, on on the wall. But let's get into it, pro. Uh, back to our team of the weeks. Um, who you got this week? Who's your who's your team that's balling right now? Dude, I, I mean, I, I always admit when I'm wrong, and I killed the Houston Rockets, uh, aka Houston Elite AU. They're killing it now. They started 0 3. They won five in a row. Um, you know, they're they've got something that's really dangerous to have in the NBA, and that's fucking confidence. I mean, they've been they've been playing well. Doka's got them going. Yeah, I mean, I've been killing those guys for about over a year now. I got to give it to them. They're 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 playing really really well. Five in a row. Uh, they're in a really tight one right now with Denver. Uh, got to give it to those guys. They're playing really well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Houston Rockets. Who do who do you have? I had them in the mix as well. Though they definitely are deserving, and, and Ime Adoka can coach. I mean, he he's got this squad playing really well. Um, they have some tough winners, you know, say what you want about Dylan Brooks, but he plays kind of a winning style. He's a great defender. Um, he's going to get into it with guys if he has to. Uh, Van Vliet has been very, very good for him um, in spurts. Uh, good mix of youth and veteran leadership, I think. They've, got a, they've still got a bit of those loose young guys that might get a bit crazy from time to time, but they've, they've counted that with some veterans. You know, I feel like Van Vliet's a, a no-nonsense type guy who's going to say, hey, man, that's bullshit. Let's let's fix that. Let's don't do this, don't do that. Same as Dylan Brooks. Jock Landau's obviously there as a decent boy, voice off the bench. So I like what they're doing as well. I had them at the upper part of that bottom five, so maybe they even sneak into a plane. I think it is a bit – overstated with where they're currently sitting on, on, on the table. I mean, they're, they're sure. in fourth place. I don't think they finish in, th in the top six. If they do, God bless them. But I think they'll be, you know, they can potentially push for one of those playing spots if they continue to play this way. I had the Minnesota Timberwolves, bro. Mm. Uh, they're another team that I, I had them out, actually. I think, had, I think I had them at 11, if I remember correctly. I had, ten, I had 10 at New Orleans Pen Pelicans. But they're, they're balling as well. One five straight. They're six and two. And they just seem to be figuring out the dynamic between Towns and Gobert. Um, Edwards has clearly, you know, taken the reins of that team as the number one guy. Uh, some decent role players that are filling in as well. They, 
they they've been actually decent to watch. And and look, Gobert's not not asked to front a, a huge offensive load anymore. So I think the pressure's off for him. Go get us ten and ten, knock down your free throws, block some shots for us. Uh, McDaniel's is playing decent minutes for him. They they have a good mix of of youth. Conley Conley's a you know a great veteran for them as well that can come in and, and do some different things. So um, I'm liking where they're at, bro. Bogues, I watched them uh, come into the year. I'm mean, a huge Anthony Edwards fan. I got him 10th in the league. You know, I think he's a, a superstar on the rise and in, in watched him this summer, you know, with the with the Olympic team. He was really good. Got a chance to watch them a little bit more. I watched them against the Celtics. Uh, I'm still not a huge fan of Towns. I think he just sort of, he's feast or famine, mostly famine with just jacking up shots, not really wanting to go anything around the basket anymore. Now, you know, um, you know, he calls himself the uh, the best stretch four and uh, stretch big in the history of the game. I think he's shooting like nineteen. <laughs> no, bro, no, 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 no. He said he said when he's done playing, they're gonna say that I changed the game, and not not the yeah. best stretch four that he changed the he, game. Yeah, he changed the parameters of what a fucking max contract really should look like. So that's probably what he changed. But yeah, I mean, look, they're really they're they are fun to watch. I mean, obviously Anthony Edwards. Um, I like McDaniels. I think he's one of the better defending wings in the league. You know, I think he just sort of, you know, he helps them because he can make shots from the outside. He could, he can guard people. He takes a lot of pressure off the other guys. Edwards plays both ends of the floor. He wants to play every night. Gorbert sort of does his thing. Look, Towns, I'm not a huge fan of, but you know, he gives him some scoring. Uh, the guys off the bench play really well. Kyle Anderson, you know, just sort of like plays the game slow. Passes the ball, makes good plays. They play with energy. I like them. Um, you know, I think they, you know, obviously Conley and, and what he does, but I'm a big fan. A big fan. I don't want to go too much of a tangent because I know you're, you know, you tell, you tell me like when I talk about Minnesota, I like to talk about fucking like, you know, the Miami Heat. So <laughs> go into an hour. So I'm, I'm going to keep story. it. I got to keep it light. Yeah. I got to keep True it story. light. Nah, yeah, pro, go was, ahead, pro, pro was giving me, you know, in a, Anonymous group chat that we're in, Pro is giving me shit saying I run the podcast like an iron fist. And I said, Pro, like you're, I'm supposed to be the host and you're out talking to me probably 70 30. So just for everyone out there, just to know where that where that's all coming from. But I got a stopwatch right here, Bogs, on everything I, I say. I like it. So I I'm like going to cut it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, shout out to also the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're up and down, but they're playing some decent basketball. The Indiana Pacers playing very, very good basketball, high scoring, high tempo basketball. I mean, they had a game in the 150s last week in regulation. Orlando Magic, big shout out there. They're playing some good basketball and the Atlanta Hawks. So a good mix of, of teams that are kind of surprising early on, but we still are in the honeymoon period. All right, mm -hmm. our team that is weak, I think we've both got the LA Clippers. Um, yeah. Right after we jumped off the pod last week, James Harden uh, gets traded to the Clippers for not very much, mainly some role players and, and, and picks, but we thought that, you know, man, or, or, you know, there'd be a big name included in that deal. It wasn't. Um, but man, they look absolutely horrible. Now it is early days, but they've lost four in a row since acquiring Harden. They were three and two when they acquired Harden. They are now three and six and it looks bad. It looks very, very bad. Um, I mean, I, I was, I discussed this numerous times before the Harden trade. I, I think he's almost better coming off the bench. I, I really do. I, I think it negates how bad he is defensively. Small sample size from our guy Haralabob at Volgaris, but the clip, Clippers today, Pro, um, 1.32 points per possession with Harden off the floor, 0.82 when he was in, 
And that's an outlier. That's going to probably that's probably going to even out because it's at the offensive end. But the defensive end, 1.32 points per possession with him on the floor defensively. 0.72 with him out. Now it is one game, yeah. small sample size, but he he's never been a great defender. He looks even worse, disinterested defensively. He's not going to give up his body. He's going to have a little poke at the ball, and that's about it. I think you bring a guy like that off the bench and you let him play 20 to 25 and just go and gun. And, and then it limits his, you know, how bad he is on the defensive end. But they got they got to bring someone off. PJ Tucker's sitting there as a great role player. They have no real role oomph in that starting lineup. You know, Westbrook, Zubats is kind of a role-playing big, but you know, you can find that from most centers. But you got Westbrook, George, Kawhi. And now Harden, who's gonna who's happy to play a role on out of those out of those four guys? Probably more leaning towards Westbrook, but I think you got to bring one off the bench and they got to bring in more of a role player. Uh, this 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 experiment has not started well, pro. No, it really hasn't, Bogues, without question. Now, first of all, the trade itself, you know, to to grab Harden, I think that what Daryl Morey's trying to do is acquire as many picks as possible. He's always looking at the next deal. So I think he probably gave up the fact that he can get good players in this trade and just sort of, you know, settle for as many picks as he can get, pick swaps, second round picks for, and just package them all up. That's sort of what he's, that's what he does all the time. Um, It doesn't look good. The team doesn't look good. It is very early and I think they will get better. I don't think they're going to bring him off the bench. I do agree with you. I think he should play off the bench, but look, they gave up a lot of role players in it body wise, you know, you know, Covington, you know, was a big one because he played, you know, he's not a great player, but he sort of plays both ends of the floor, obviously Batum, you know, they're not good, great players, but they, you know, I think they're. They would just sort of play their role and they knew their deal. Zubac isn't playing as well. How are they going to get used to playing on the floor with? And look, he's going to get better. You know, as much as they want to really sell the regular season with the, uh, the, the tournament and all this stuff, I think that these games, they're not necessarily useless, but all it is is ramping up for the postseason and, and they got to, they got to figure it out. All they have to do is play their best basketball by about March 15th. You know, and whatever, however, you got to get to that point. Resting guys, not resting guys, um, playing with lineups. However, you want to do it, they got to do it. He'll get in better shape. Look, you know, it's not looking great right now, but um, I think it will get better. It is disgusting, and we'll talk about that in length. But you know, with, with Harden right now, but you know, what are you gonna do, man? I mean, everybody in the league was pushing for this trade. And now everybody's jumping off that bandwagon pretty quick. And but I do think it, it'll get a little bit better. I'm not a huge Harden fan, but um I think it will it will get better. It just it does not look very good right now. No, it doesn't. And and to your point that yeah, I mean, it will get better. I, I think it will. I think it's never as bad as as you think it is in the NBA or never as good as you think it is, obviously, um with, with, with if you're winning or losing. But I don't know, it just it just doesn't it just you look at their bench. I mean, Norman Powell, um, PJ Tucker, Terrence Mann, that's probably it. That's that's as deep as you can go. Plumlee's now out. For, Bones Highland. Bones Highland uh, Bo- plays oh, a Bones little Highland's bit. Bones Highland's there, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out. He, yeah. he, he got play last. He didn't play today. Um, yeah, he didn't play today. But that's they're, they're, look, Norman Powell's a gunner. Terrence Mann's a young guy who's trying to fight for minutes and establish himself in the league, and Bones Highland's a gunner, right? He's a, yeah. he's, he's, he wants the ball in his hand. There's no real role play players out of those three guys, really. I mean, Powell's role is to mm-hmm. come in and score. But with the squad you already have, do you really need that? He was probably their best player today. It's Memphis, um, if we're being honest. P.J. Tucker is probably the guy I'm looking at that probably needs to put him in the lineup, 
maybe you get rid of Harden, bring Harden in with a second unit to absolutely gun, and there's more. You know, if there was two basketballs or maybe three, the Clippers would be a Hall of Fame team, you know, um, but <clears throat> it's just not working and it's just ugly to watch. I think to your point about about just getting to March, that has been the Clippers' problem, though, Pro. Like that's yeah. historically the last two, three years, it was let's just be right March 15, but there's never enough continuity of playing together and figuring each, out, each, each other's weaknesses on, on both ends of the floor. They end up getting to March and it just doesn't, doesn't click. This is looking much of the same. So – um, look, I think I, I agree with you. They will get better, but is that is that a top six in the West? The West is looking. I mean, the West is tough. Like it's 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 going to be hard, you know. Well, the one good thing, I guess, if you're going to look at positives, right? Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both played eight games already. They played 100 percent of their games, to my calculation. So that is getting a little better as far as not just sitting them. Now it is a small sample size; it's only eight games. Plumlee's out too, you know. So that's a big that's a big loss for them. I think PJ Tucker is sort of done. You know, he—I don't think he can give it to you every night. I think he—you know—he's just banged up. He's older. He—he's not looking great. And yeah, it doesn't look good right now. But it can get better. They just got to figure things out. But I just don't see the way that it's a shit show right now. I—and you know how teams are. Unfortunately, they play to the—they play to the media. Imagine if they bring him off the bench like next week or tomorrow or whatever. Like the shitstorm that's gonna hit, you know. That's that. I, I don't. I. They're gonna have to figure it out with him in the starting lineup, and it's hard because it's so ISO oriented, and I don't see well, it. Well, that's and, my point, pro. Uh, know, around PJ, I know. I know he's he's towards the end of his tether yeah. as far as age and whatnot, but offensively, he's not gonna pout or need the ball. He's gonna stand in one of the corners. Sure. If you throw it to sure. him, he's gonna shoot it. He's gonna crash the O glass, and at least he's gonna give you some effort on the defensive end. So my point is. Am I saying PJ is going to say the Clippers? Hell no, of course not. But I think in with this group of guys that they have in their starting lineup, they need a guy that doesn't need the ball. They they all they've got Zubats doesn't need the ball, but they need one of those wings that's happy to play a role. Mm-hmm. We saw Paul George in one of the two games ago looked awful off the ball in stretches, couldn't find it. He looked better today. Yep. Now James didn't look good, so it's they got to find something. And there's not, but why I say PJ Tucker? Look on that bench. Normal power is going to come on and score the ball. Bones, the same thing. And Terrence Mann's finding himself. So there's not a whole lot there. They traded away a little bit of depth. Early uh, early factor fake news. James Harden comes off the bench by December 15th. I would, I, I, if I was a coach, I would say, I don't know what yeah. T, if T. Lou's got the, the, the balls to do that. Um, right. T. Lou is on record saying he wants to give it 10 games. I think he said something along those lines, five to 10 games to, to, to reassess and see where it's at. You could yeah. be... Deep in the hole, another five games. You know, yeah, I know you there's a lot of games. There's 82 games in the NBA season, but they're three and six right now. You know, even if you go 500, you're all of a sudden, you know, you're five or six and and ten. You're starting to look down the barrel a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not high on them. Uh, I liked them before the trade because I just thought uh, PG and Kawhi playing yep. load, load management going out the window. I think adding, adding Harden to this group um, is not really improving them a whole lot, especially at the defensive end. So in saying that, one of your former uh, colleagues and, and mine for a short stint, um, I think, or did he come after you, bro? Was he there when you were there? Brian Demers? Uh He was around the team. He, I don't think, because again, remember, I can't, I can't watch Mavericks games now, especially <laughs> local broadcast, but I think he came on, um, I think he came on like, either the pandemic 
or the or the Jason Kidd year. So maybe last year he came on full time as far as doing the uh, doing the broadcast. I did not remember him on the broadcast. Um, now he doesn't do broadcast. He does the pregame the, show, right? Yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah half time. Yeah, the pregame, pre-game postgame. Post yeah, yeah. To, to be honest, folks, I because I can't watch it. I didn't see it until they had Dirk Knight. Um, and I just saw it when I was watching in my office that he was on. I'm like, holy shit, he's on. I didn't even know he was hired full time, but yeah, he was around the team because he worked for Cuban at broadcast.com and he was always around the team. Good guy. You could always have a conversation about basketball with him, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, interesting. Well, interesting, he's, he's uh, trending he worldwide having. and in the NBA world. Yeah. And, and without further ado, Brian Damaris on James Harden. Ask the producer to pipe this into the Clippers locker room. If I can talk to you, James, I hope you're taking notes. I'm telling you in advance, you're welcome for the wisdom I'm about to spew. Because, listen, I get on my knees every night and pray for someone to believe in me like Daryl Borey believed in you. You wanted a certain coach, they brought in Mike D'Antoni. You want to play a certain style, they played it. You wanted Dwight Howard, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. You wanted Chris Paul, they brought him in and got rid of him when you were tired of him. They brought in your old friend Russell Westbrook. You want to go to Vegas on off days? they looked away you wanted the team to stay over so you could go out at night they changed the schedule and it didn't work and you know what you said i'm gonna break up with my whoopee not good enough i see the bright lights in new york i want to go there my old pal kevin durant it's gonna work the big three and all after one year you wanted out you realized oh my gosh i took this guy for granted the guy that believed in me i went back with daryl morey they traded ben simmons for you how did they pull that off and you know what you went there and you got a partner who got the MVP. He won the MVP. And what did you say afterwards? You said, they didn't hand me the reins. You're the point guard. You were holding the reins. And what did you do when you had the reins? You scored nine points in game seven against Boston. You blew a 3-2 series lead. So they co- they fired their coach. Not good enough. You broke up with your guy believing you again. You said, the bright lights of L.A., that's where I want to go. Let's see if that works. Listen, James, have you ever had those friends who had bad roommates? Over and over, they complained about their bad roommates. This guy's terrible, the bad roommate here. They never thought, being self-aware enough, that they're the bad roommate. They're the problem. Hey, James, you're the problem. If this doesn't work this year in this system with this team, then you're going to go and point fingers at everybody else, and you're going to go back home, and you're going to start swiping right for another team, and there's not going to be anybody left. Because, James, you're not the beard. You're not the system. You're the problem. And drop the mic at the end of that. He did literally, literally physically drop the mic. Uh, I, I mean, a little bit harsh maybe to go after him for two or three minutes, but everything he said is factual. And he's we've spoken about it a little bit previously. He's he's getting to that Carmelo Anthony point where, and I think Carmelo did much much less than what James has done over the last couple of years to be blackballed. Right? Um, he, he's he. He's right. If this doesn't work, I mean, how many other teams are lining up to say, come to us, James Harden? I don't think there's very many. I think he's got to prove he can actually stick out through the ups and the downs. And I'll be interested to see once he gets in shape. Um, why isn't he? Is another question. Will the Clippers allow him to fly to Vegas on off days? Uh, will they, you know, will they listen to any of his demands? I think he's lost a lot of that leverage. But um, I give credit to Brian because that 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 is a spot on two-minute rant as I've ever seen one. Yeah, Bogues, I mean, nothing that he said was off. I mean, that was pretty accurate of what he, you know, how he said it. And look, Bogues, the, the NBA is the WWF now. 
It's all about entertainment. And that's right out of the WWF. Like, you know, look, forever players have been going at media, disrespected media. Sometimes they deserve it, right? But they go at them, they're disrespectful to them. It's about time maybe you see a little bit of change in that, you know, and, and sort of these broadcasters going after, you know, after them a little bit. Is it harsh? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but it's completely true. His, his value is at an all-time low. We've been saying that for about a year now. Look, this stuff, isolation players that are high-maintenance guys throughout their whole career, they, people put up with it until they start losing a step, and then they plummet. We've seen it with Anthony. We saw it with Allen Iverson at the end of his career. We see it with guys like that that are high, like the volatile guys that people really don't want to be around, but they put up with it because they're big-time players until they start losing a step. And then once they lose a step, they're done. And, yeah, he just just doesn't – I mean, no one's really going to be listening to those demands. They're going to do everything they can and try to make this thing work. But, look, he's an aging player that needs the ball in his hands, that off the court, not a problem like – getting into it legally, but, you know, all the strip club stuff that does get into it. And then the, like, sitting out, demanding trades, this and that. People don't really want to put up with that. And then all these teams, you know, it's feast or famine. All these teams are either going super young or they want players that play off the ball. So if you're not a, a superstar, you know, and you're north of 30 and you need the ball in your hands and you can't play off the ball and you don't want to come off the bench. All this stuff is a problem. Look, Westbrook had an issue with it. You know, he, he had a two or three year stint where it was a little bit of an issue, you know, because his, his physical skills were going down a little bit and people wanted to bring him off the bench and he didn't want to do that. So now he's sort of figuring it out and how he's doing, you know, he's doing a really good job for the Clippers. But I think the, I think. It was an interesting rant. I, I enjoyed it. I think people should have balls like that all the time. You know, maybe not to that extent, but, you know, look, have the balls to, you know, tell it how it is. But these teams don't really want to have – I don't think the league likes it. Even though it's great entertainment, I don't think the league likes it because they're so, in, you know, pro player. And the players, the talent, and they protect them at all costs. But I, I, I especially the way they're going WWF – I think it's all entertainment anyway, so fuck it, have at it. You just ever really see a opposing team, uh, broadcasters or analysis guys, go after someone on the other team like that. They might they might throw a little jibe every now and then and say that player's dirty or that's disrespectful, but to you ever really see pre and post game <clears throat> analysis from you know that in this circumstance, the Dallas Mavericks going after a player on the other team. You ever really see that? So it was kind of really interesting and. I think it was warranted. Uh, I look forward to seeing maybe it lights a fire under James Harden. Uh, maybe he's in the in the steam room or the sauna right now, pro with some you know rubbish bags on, garbage bags on, and sweating out the extra weight he put on from not playing, and he comes back and surprises us all, pro. But the Clippers, um, there's a lot of people that say it's the curse of the Clippers. It's looking that way, pro, right now. So we'll watch that space. The NBA tournament has commenced, pro, and I just wanted to ask about your viewing experience with these courts, pro, because. Uh, Hard on the eye for me. I don't know how you feel about it. Completely dismal. It it, it just it, it was awful. I, I'm I'm not a fan of it. They put a lot of money into it. I've heard two hundred thousand dollars a court from somebody told me. So that's six million dollars they put into it. 
and it's disgusting to look at. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, I thought I was watching a game in fucking like Croatia, you know, Cro- not even Croatia, oh, like, you know, fucking China or something. I had no idea. I, I swear to God, there were a couple of times where I was flipping channels and I saw, I either saw it, either flipping channels or I saw it on social media. And I was literally like, thought it was like the big three, the N1 oh, mixtape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like court a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Vegas, yeah. Right? yeah. I, Monster energy. I'm, <laughs> disgusting i i'm all for just like make the you know how they had the finals logo like the small logo that's on the court Mm -hmm. make a logo for the tournament put it like the nba finals logo put it either at center court or put it like at the logo where they you they have it in the finals and i like that but doing this is just over the top it's bad and and everybody i think most of the people that I talk to, they like the tournament itself. They think the game's a little bit more competitive, but they all hate the court. There's not one person that said, any, like, never, I've never seen anything mentioned about the tournament yet that didn't mention the court being brutal. So it, it, it's like a Muppet threw up on the whole fucking thing, <laughs> it, be honest with you. I, I, so I don't know why that, they've gone to those extremes. It's a, and it, look, it almost looks like it's digitally imposed. Like, it looks like it's not real. You know, when you're watching it on yeah. TV, and it's so bright, and maybe we're getting old. Who knows? We're, we're yelling at the at the sky. But uh, I agree. Most people I spoke to have said, "What the hell is the deal with those NBA NBA tournament courts?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." I wonder if you turn the lights out, the court glows, bro. <laughs> that's what I want to know because some some of those <laughs> some of those might glow in the dark. Maybe that's a safety thing. If the lights go out in the arena, they can keep playing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have no idea, Bogues, but it it looks bad. It, it, look, the games are good. Don't get me wrong. Most of the games are competitive that I've seen for it. Um, you know, at least you notice a little bit of a difference, but those that, that court is brutal. I agree. Let us know what you think about that. I know there's a lot of fans out there. They're not too happy about it. All right. This one was in one of our group chats. Probably gonna, we're going to get into this one a little bit. But uh, Clay Travis, a guy at Outkick the Coverage uh, over there in the US, a pretty controversial media sports media broadcaster, has – Gone on record uh, to say that a WNBA team would not beat a boys' high school state champion. Um, he mm. offered $1 million. That has now been taken up by a betting company. Um, so they've said that uh, they're, they're happy to pay the WNBA team if they win against a high, a high school state champion. Uh, we had a little bit of a discussion in one of our group chats. I won't go into that too much. But first and foremost, I think these uh, these kind of – debates diminish women's sport um to an extent and and from both sides i think the 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 men that say well i'll never be to you know play the boys against them i don't think that's helping and i don't think from the feminist side of things you know uh women's sport can be just as good as men's help things neither i I just want to put that out there i think both sides are, are culprits of this but do i think that this the WNBA team could win. I don't pro. Um, you're a little bit indifferent, I think, uh, potentially. Yeah. We'll get your thoughts shortly. But I, I just mm-hmm. think that I, I circle back to my time. Uh, it would essentially be the under-19 EMU's team that won. It'd be some of those players playing not for the national team now, uh, for, the, for my state team in under-18s. Mm-hmm. I think we had a few guys that were fringe pros or semi-pros on that team. Um, I'd guess in, in the US pro, would a state high school basketball team have a few fringe pros on it? Or semi-pro? Not everyone. Not everyone. You'd have would. one though, I mean, probably, right? They'd have you know, one that could probably semi-pro. play overseas. Yeah, yeah maybe. exactly. Or, or a semi-pro, but it's, right? It's spread out. It is mm. spread out a lot. Um, 
you know, the problem, the only problem with that, Bogues, is like most of the teams now that have talent, Division One talent, that are going to be essentially pros, they're going to go boarding school. So the state champion. The academy isn't all that you mean, right? Yeah. Most of them, yeah. So that's the only tough thing about the debate um, that I have. But yeah, I'll let you finish your point. But um, I would say the bigger states like the Californias, the Texas, the New York, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, you know, the the really good teams in Florida, they're going to have probably one or two guys that could play professional at some level for sure. Yeah, look, I think if you're picking Alaska, maybe they got a chance uh, as your as your state champions. Um, but look, I just think that it, I think skill wise, I think your Clarks of the world definitely could outdo the boys as far as skill goes. I think where you have the issue is the athleticism and strength of even high school age boys at 17 years old turning 18. That's where I think there'll be there'll be players that probably aren't as skilled as some of the some of the women players. But I think once you factor in the physicality and the speed and just the fast twitch that that males have, that that fast twitch burst, uh, I think is the issue in this. But I don't think it's sexist to have this debate to have this chat. But I, I think a lot of people get political with it. Um, would I like to see it? Sure, I'd, li- I'd like to see it. But I think I think just it diminishes what women's sport is to me. If you don't like watching women's sport at a pro level, I still think it's a very important part of the sporting society. You want young girls playing team sports and even individual sports for that matter. The life lessons that obviously you and I both know pro and everyone in the world knows around junior kids sports, little league, all that kind of stuff, working with people you like and you don't like. I got to pass the ball to that person who I hate. That's where it's important and that's where female sports are very important. But this one's an interesting one that that has definitely had some people debate and – there hasn't been a huge case study on it, but there was a squad in – this is we're talking about soccer now or women's football. Uh, the Newcastle under-15 Jets played the Australian national team, I think about 10 years ago, um, in a game, and the result was 7-0 for the boys. So different sport, um, different different you know strategies and tactics, but I just think that the – you know the level of athleticism and strength, even in younger boys, I I, I think is hard. I remember actually, um, pro. I remember the uh, Paddy Mills under fourteen team used to actually scrimmage against uh, the AIS women's team back when I was there, and mm-hmm. Pat, Paddy would just be doing, doing circles around. He was so quick and fast and could shoot the ball even at a 12, 13 year old level. So I think it'd be very hard uh, for this to, to to go the WNBA's way, but. I'd like to see it. I would like to. It is intriguing, pro. Yeah. I, you know, like we talked about in the group chat, I never really think much about hypotheticals. And, you know, thinking about it now, like when, when, when the question was sort of thrown at me and, and just being able to think about it a little bit, like the whole statement of a state champion, I would say out of 50 state champions, I would say 35 to 40 could probably beat a WNBA team. Now, the big states, they got no chance. You know, like I told you. The middle states, they might be able to get a few. And I think the lower states with less population, not as athletic, not as, you know, because I'll tell you what, they may not physically, like if they're playing a college team or another NBA team, obviously they're going to get, it's not even debatable. But high school kids, 
WNBA players are physical and they're and and what they are is dirty as hell. If you watch, they're dirty as hell. Cheap shot, da-da-da, and they're tough. I think, like I said, I don't think it'll be a wash like 50 states will beat them. That's what I think. If, if just by watching as much WNBA as I do, I think that like I don't know. Like I said, I don't track it like that, but they probably can get 10 state champions. They could probably beat 15, maybe. I don't know. But I don't really put much thought into it. Um, you know, I, it's it's an interesting debate, I guess, if they did it. If I was at, to make it happen, what I would do if I was at betting company, I'd give the WNBA team $2 million bucks and let them play. Forget about winning and losing. If they want that game to happen, I'd put up $2 million bucks and just give it to them and let them play it and then and, and see it. If they really want it to happen like that. But the WNBA team has zero to win with that. They got zero to gain. They beat in a high school team. They're like, well, it's a high school team. If they lose to a high school team, then it's just going to be, you know, fucking anarchy. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, a lot of people love like, you know, you know, look, OutKick's great. I, I do like, I do like, you know, Clay, Clay's, entertaining he's smart well thought out well researched but you know him he likes to he likes to like fucking stare the pot and yeah. you know that's what he likes to do i don't i don't i love staring the pot and busting some people's balls no doubt about it but like this is something that people like get really triggered about you know you and i were talking about the caitlin clark thing last week about you know can she do college bat like just the the comments on that statement and all that fucking you know Tom fuckery that 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 caused. It's just a really hot button subject. I don't know, Bogues. Like I said, I don't I don't think about if Aquaman Aquaman could beat fucking Spider Man in a fight. I don't think about that stuff that much, like the hypotheticals. <laughs> but it'll be interesting, I guess. If 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 that's what if that's what people like to see, yeah. Well, outside fine. of I don't, political all that all that you yeah. know, it's just you got you know. I don't get into all that. I'm looking at this strictly on sure. face value. Um, sure. And I think it. I think it'll be interesting to see. But I, I. I agree with you. I think there's no real net, net win for the WNBA no. side of things because they're supposed to do it if they win, and if they don't, you know, everyone's going to be like, "Oh, you lost. To, you lost to some boys." But look, I exactly. think there is. You know, like I said, there's there's things to celebrate in games, and there is a reason why we have. You know, for all the one side of things, we got the, the raging feminists that say, you know women could play in men's leagues. Well, it's like there's a reason why mm. there's a men's league and a female no. league, right? So yeah. like I said, I think these kind of discussions are interesting to talk about as long as they're not diminishing what women's sport is about. It's never been about, in my opinion, trying to trying to compete with the men. And that's why mm. when WNBA players say that stuff that, you know, we, we could win or we could do this or we could – then you're fueling the fire and then it's bringing in all this other stuff. So um, I would – Yeah, yeah two yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Two things I don't want to hear about with WNBA players is a we could play with the NBA and b we should be paid like the men get paid. Like that, those are two arguments I don't even want to have because it's it's just ridiculous to have. It's just not, you know. I just don't want to really even care about hearing it. But these things are interesting. Everybody likes arguing about something and debating. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? That's where it gets murky when when those kind of things come out. But. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll if if, if if there'll be more money thrown. Um, we'll watch that space. The last one uh, I want to discuss. Have you caught much of Gilbert Arenas's podcast? I have only because I didn't even know he was doing it. I knew he was doing it before, like just to, he he did it with one other guy, 
but somebody, uh, Rashad McCants is on it a lot. And Rashad McCants shot me out like two months ago and somebody hit me up with it. Um, and I've, I've, li- I've, you know, seen the highlights of it, you know, from time to time, but the one that you're going to discuss, I saw on the sheet, I didn't, I didn't catch this argument. So or this discussion. So if you want to sort of, if you want to. Oh, they, look, they have a know, lot of raw and, um, eye-opening conversations. I, I, I think Gil's yeah. good value. Like he's, he's out there. And I like I like out there guys whether whether they're right or wrong I disagree agree I like guys are just going to go and I'm going to say what I'm going to say and I'm going to live with the consequences right. and Gil's definitely one of those guys and and just being knowing mm. Richard Jefferson and hearing stories when they were together <laughs> Arenas is a wild wild dude um, but yeah they discuss a bunch of bunch of things and and what my former teammate Brandon Jennings is on that as on that podcast now as well I think it's called Gil's Arena if people want to find it. Uh, Kenyon Martin's on there as well, and I think they bring a pretty good mix of Brandon's more younger, Gil's moderate, and then Kenyon's obviously known as a crazier guy around. But they got, they got into the 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 topic of uh, something you know a lot about, pro about you know girls in the NBA and and groupies and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's definitely a fake news, but good. <laughs> you said your wife doesn't tune in, so you're right. Um, <laughs> but no, it was it was an interesting topic because outside of the ha 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 about all that kind of stuff. They actually got into some pretty interesting conversations around it. Um, they spoke about there was rules with your groupies or your girls that you know if they were with the star player, uh, you know there was kind of territorial stuff. But it just it just tracked me back to dealing with you know I had someone uh, I posted about it laughing about it on Twitter saying you know the lovely side of the NBA and someone said how did you deal with this stuff and. The honest question is it was it was eye-opening for the first couple of years in the league. And um there were there were girls that that you'd see that, you know, so when teams come to New York, for instance, there's always a, a team checking in and a team checking out. Because <laughs> there's the next, there's Brooklyn and New York, two mm-hmm. teams in that in that in that region, and then you got a team flying in that's gonna play the Nets the next night, and then they're leaving, and then someone else is coming to play the Knicks. So there were there were there were girls at times that would um, you know be in a player's room that and that player that team's checking out they were just waiting in the lobby for the next team to come and i saw that firsthand <laughs> i was just like oh my goodness you know what i mean and i, I you know i had a teammate of mine i'm not going to name names in any of this stuff but a teammate mm-hmm. of mine that was really liking one of those girls and then another teammate to come up to him and go dude they were just you know 24 hours before we're hanging out with xyz um Family room dynamics, pro. That, that that was a big eye opener for me. Uh, a young fellow <laughs> coming to walk. If for those not familiar, there's a room under the under the seating in the arena in the in the hallways. It's for family. Usually has food and drinks. Now these family rooms have grown from a small four by four room to a whole VIP lounge. As time has gone on in my career, I've noticed it's gotten bigger and bigger. And it went from you know chicken wings and some fries and a salad to a full smorgasbord. So it's gone full threshold. You want to look after the families, but the dynamics of these places were, were so crazy that in fact, pro my first couple of years in the league, I didn't let my then girlfriend go to the family room. I made her go and wait in the car <laughs> after, after mm. games. Smart and I, I, had, I, had, I had reasoning for this. There was, there was wives throwing punches in these rooms. Um, yeah. I had a teammate that had, his wife had a bunch of single cousins. They would come to the family room. This is a family room. So generally, like, if you bring a seem to be another a girlfriend or it's either your wife or your girlfriend to the family room, um, they would be actually hitting on players. Uh, so I saw all that. 
I had uh, some other funny stories I had was we had a wife on one of the teams I was at, a teammate's wife would uh, one day was like, trying to get all the wives together, like, hey, let's go and surprise the guys on, on one of their road trips. <laughs> <laughs> and my, 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 you know, my girlfriend at the time was like, I, I have no want to do that. Like, I'm not doing that, you know. And there's a reason for that because they're insecure and they think, you know, maybe maybe my husband or my boyfriend is doing something they shouldn't. And they did it. They they'd rocked up randomly on road trips. Uh, I had a teammate who was – had a significant other, but was known to engage in in the activities of of the night on road trips. And he he had told some teammates, "Hey, if you know, because you can bring your wives and your significant others on road trips, you just let the team know. Every team has different rules. Like most teams I was on gave you two full road trips. Your significant other could come on, so they could come on the whole. If it's a six day road trip, they come on every single trip. That's one. You get two of those a year. Some teams do one. Some teams do zero. But uh, I had a teammate that would be like, if any of your wives or girlfriends are coming on a trip, please let me know. Because, you know, the last thing he wanted to do was be walking through a hotel lobby and and and, and gets caught doing something, you know, that he shouldn't be in. And then a, a wife sees and tells his wife, whatever it is, right? That's how crazy it got that we're sitting in an arena one night, pro. Uh, you know, we're down. We're, we're in Atlanta. I still remember this to this day. And um, a veteran goes, He's, he's, he's squinting in the crowd, looking, 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 and we're down by 20 with three minutes left, so everyone's looking in the crowd, and he yells at one of the teammates, hey, I told you to say blah, 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 whatever your wives or girlfriends are coming to let me know. And this player goes, what are you talking about? Like, my wife's not here. And he points into the crowd pro, and it was the uh, the said player's wife in a full outfit, disguised costume, <laughs> sitting in the arena, like Different color hair, glass, like clearly trying to just blend in and hide, um, came to surprise her husband on a road trip. So they're the kind of things we're dealing with, bro, uh, in, in, in the NBA. Final thing I would say is who, who give me your opinion, pro, on who would have the most declassified information on an NBA team, pro? Let's see if you know this one. Who would have the most declassified information? Most meaning deep- like. The, like within the traveling party, um, as far as all this kind of stuff goes, with with the pieces that are moving around on an NBA road trip with with female with of the female variety, who would hold the most? You know, who who holds that that briefcase with things? That, if they, if they open that briefcase, I would say two two thing two one of two people. I would say whoever handles tickets, or I would say team security. Who who would who would have the the most information on on these people in a and maybe a third is the equipment guy because they Bang. usually pay attention to that shit. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Uh, it's the equipment uh, manager by far. They 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 yeah. JFK files. What anything NBA related? Uh, declassified files. Oh, the, the equipment manager on everything or just the girl stuff? Everything. Oh, everything. Yeah, the the equipment guy has the pulse of the whole team. Everything. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely everything because most most teams, the equipment manager is doing the hotel bookings. So, you know, I had I had a thing when I used to book get hotel rooms. I was like, don't put me near a fucking elevator. I don't want to be near an elevator because I could hear the dings and I want my sleep. So they, mm-hmm. they have all these rules for players like this player likes this. But they're also the ones that are like, hey, yeah, I have, I have a friend visiting me when we arrive. I need a room key. So they they see mm. and know and hear everything. I had a teammate that had a uh, had a teammate that had a 
the bat phone, as they call it, pro the spare phone sat mm-hmm. in the equipment manager's bag. <laughs> so, so whenever we went on the bag. road, it was just so he's the equipment manager on every team, and and I've seen, I've known a, f- a few significant others have figured that out and actually gone or try to try to have a conversation with the old equipment manager in the past. So, um, while I bring this up, I just thought it was an interesting conversation they had on their podcast. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on on the NBA circuit when it comes to to that that kind of stuff. And are the players to blame? Sometimes are the sometimes there's blatant. I've had teammates get extorted for money. Uh, I've seen it all, and I'll get into that on on another day. But there's 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 some dark sides of that of that kind of thing in the NBA, pro. But uh, I know you weren't really too ear to the ground with that stuff. Being in the coaching circles, the coaches are usually a step away from that kind of stuff. But seeing that was it's kind of shocking, pro. Coming from especially me coming from Australia, going to of all places, going to Salt Lake City for college. So I wasn't really. Didn't really have my eyes wide open, and then getting to the NBA, I was like, "Oh my god, this is a a whole another world, pro." But uh, story for another day. It's a giant business. It is a giant business because you've got, I mean, you got women that the business side of it on two fronts. You've got women that do it to get money from players, either like you know, taking care of jewelry, cash, trips, blah blah blah. Then you got the ones that want, you know, do it. They want to keep doing it until they get one or multiple kids from one or multiple players to get that monthly check. And they literally get traded. I've heard of stories in the early 2000s from people that were really hooked into the NBA. There were a bunch of women that not only did it, but were young enough to have kids that were old enough to start training them to do it. You know, at, at 19, 20, 21 years old to do the same thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, get impregnated by an NBA player, you know, get that money, you know, eight, 15. Because you hear about this, the monthly allowance for the kids and, you know, alimony, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's called, 18, 20, $25,000 a month, you know. And I don't know what kid, it, I don't know what kid needs to be raised by $25,000 a month, but I want to meet that kid. Gold plate like, diapers. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. So it is a big business. And people don't understand that, you know, from women to the autograph seekers, when you get to a hotel at 3am, and they're trying to like get you to sign nine rookie cards in the know, blue pen to get to your room. Yep. Yeah, with the blue pen. Like, it's unbelievable. All these people that are trying to take a piece out of this NBA thing. It's not just players. It's not just teams. It's not just coaches. There's a million different revenue streams of this thing, and the the mistresses are a huge part of it. Not only to get taken care of, if to have a relationship with a player, but have a fake relationship, multiple players mm. try to get impregnated. It's it's. I I've listened to somebody who really knew about it talk about it, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I had to go see my priest after. It was fucking. You know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's a, you know. It made me. I went to the fetal position and just quit. I said, "Fuck it, I'm out. This oh, is yeah. too much." I, and there's, there's, you know, there was, there's some stories like, I've, you know, because a lot of yeah. times these guys will, will check out of when the team's checking out. They'll say, "All right, shorty, you can just stay in the room when you're done. Just sure. you know, order room service." So I've had, I've had, uh, I had a teammate come back to his room. His whole room was cleaned out. Everything, lamps, everything was gone. <laughs> the whole room. You're gonna explain to the hotel like, "Hey, that bedside table and the lamp." I, 
I didn't take it. I got robbed. It's like, how did they get in your room? Well, well, I let them in there, but did you know who they were? I met them last night. Like, And I've heard crazy stuff like that. I, I had a teammate. They took everything, including his clothes, everything. And this was yeah, a something. He, he was, yeah, everything. And this is a well-known, like, you know, lottery yeah, guy back he, in the day. He, it was in the local FedEx getting shipped to, you know, Chantel in Gary, Indiana. Crazy though. He got back and he's he's like, all, all my stuff was gone. I had nothing, nothing besides my practice gear that left, right? And he was like, whoa. So it's unbelievable. It, it, it is pretty crazy. And and look, you know, you, you like I said, you place blame on the players as well. I've seen some problem with, with the mistress side of things is that once you start paying and they know you're married, that you can't turn that check off when you want to, you know, and that's what I've seen a lot mm. happen to a lot of players is like there's eventually going to be a, a meeting point where you say, hey, like I want, you know, I'm, I'm done with you and I know you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. So yeah. interesting yeah, on the list. So check it out on on that podcast. I think it's, it's some pretty confronting stuff, even though it is humorous at times about the goings on in the NBA off the court. All right, moving on to Aussies in the NBA. We'll go through these really quickly. Uh, it's a two-week stint, of course. Dante Exum, 3.3 points, 2.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Slowly starting to get a little bit of spot minutes every now and then for the Dallas Mavs. Um, and being very solid with the ball. Low turnover guy at the moment. Um, just making the right plays for him. Josh Green has been bench pro as of the last week. The Mavs are rolling, playing really good. 6.7 points, 2.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists. Just under one steal a game. 38% from three. So not playing... Horribly, they just went a different way with their lineup. Uh, Joe Ingles starting to find a little bit more time, but shooting clips are, are bad. He's looking to correct those, but 3.5 points, 2.8 rebounds, three assists, one steal per game, but five for 17 from three and six for 25 from the field. So his shot has kind of deserted him on all fronts. Jock Landale, 2.2 points, three rebounds, one assist, four for 16 from the field. Not finding easy looks on that on that squad pro uh, at the moment. Not getting a lot of easy looks like he did last season. So he's still trying to find his way there. Paddy Mills, zero minutes, nothing update there. Has not played a game for the Atlanta Hawks as of yet. Matisse Thibel, 6.8 points, 1.2 rebounds, 1.2 assists, one steal a game, seven for 17 from three in that span. So solid for Matisse, decent numbers. Three-point shots, kind of decent, seven for 17. So he's shooting it at a decent clip. Josh Giddy, 13.8. Points, 6.1 rebounds, 4.3 assists, one for 12 from three. So he's gone ice cold over the last two weeks from three, and that has affected his efficiency. I feel like a lot of teams are daring him to shoot that. Um, and they have a lot more weapons on OKC. I, I kind of spoke about in the preseason that I thought his numbers, at least scoring-wise, would go down with Chet Holmgren back, SGA handling a lot of the ball handling duties in late in games, especially when he's gone on a scoring spree. Josh's numbers would go down a bit, and they have. I didn't think that the assists would drop down to 4.3. That was for the last two weeks. I think he's five for the season. Ben Simmons is out hurt. Um, he's at 4.3 points, 11.6 rebounds, 5.3 assists. Offense is still very, very questionable. He's still looking very, very hesitant. Hasn't shot a lot of free throws this year, but he's been out since November 5th with a hip pointer issue. No real update other than day-to-day -day with him, but we have another winner pro that's not Josh Giddy. Dyson Daniels. Uh, he's oh, had a, he's had a career that? week, and his numbers aren't eye-popping, but it's the fact that he's playing 28 minutes a game, 8.6 points, 5.0 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.6 steals, 51% from the field, and 6 for 11 from three. Uh, easily hit the best two weeks of his short career so far. I like the way he's playing said at the start of the season, his minutes would be dictated by how he's shooting the three ball. He's going to get his 15 a game, no matter what. 
but he might get to 25 if he knocks a three ball down. He's not not hesitant on that, and that's exactly what's happened. He's 28 minutes a game. They have added some injuries with CJ, obviously, so some minutes are available there. But he's going to be our Aussie of the weeks, pro. So well done to Dyson Daniels. You know, there's a lot of opportunity right now for him. You know, with with McCollum missing and Ingram's been missing a little bit. Uh, Trey Murphy's been out. You know, they, they there's and that's one thing about the NBA bugs, and, and you know this as much as anyone. Like it's 82 games, a long time, and you might you know he had a little bit of a struggle his first year. He didn't he wasn't awful by any stretch. He was okay. But, like, you just have to sort of just stay with your routine every day and just stay ready. And when there's an opportunity when guys come out, you, you're going to get your, your shot. And I think that's what he's done. He's done well. Like you said, he's got to increase that shooting at some point. But right now all he needs is minutes. He's got to continue to get minutes and continue to make mistakes, correct those mistakes, and, and figure things out. And I think he's done well. He's competed. He's played hard. Um you know, Zion's been up and down with that. Right now they're ninth, you know, at four and five. Um, uh, they, they're going to lose to Dallas right now, but um, they're to go to four and six. But, yeah, he's played well. He, he's he's definitely he's definitely turning, you know, turning the corner a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It will, especially when CJ comes back. He, he's going to be out for a while, though. Uh, lung mm-hmm. issue, correct? Um, yeah, so- collapse young. Yeah, so hopefully that all that all sorts itself out. I think didn't he have something similar a couple of years ago? He had something a couple of years ago, bro. He's been banged up. Maybe not a collapse line. He he had something wrong with his back a couple of years ago. Hey Trent. There he is. <laughs> but no, I don't I don't think there's been a lung issue previously. Okay. I just thought it was something off off kilter from a couple of years ago. Maybe it was confused with someone else. But uh that I, is I'm sensing Trent a power everyone. grab here, folks. Bogues, I'm, I'm I'm sensing I'm sensing I'm getting kicked to the curve right now. Trent's just gonna like he just eases in one line this week, three lines in a month when we come back, <laughs> and then an all star break when we do our final show. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna be on my way out. So that's the the rise of Trent starts today. We'll see, we'll see. But we need some input every now and then because we're not the best fact f- fact without checkers. question. Well, I said fat checkers, bro. Sorry, sorry, to <laughs> fact fact. No, no. All right, moving on. Dabble the social betting experience. You can copy bets. It's simple. See a bet on your feed you like. Boom. Hit that copy bet button. Follow copy my bets. Jump into the banner channel. Uh, you can download the app at the app store. Dabble all one word. Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. All right. Stats. Useful. Useless. Pro. Players with more than 20 mid-range buckets this season. There's five. Sorry, four. What'd you say, Bo? What was that, Bogs? Players with more than 20 mid-rangers, long twos this season. Okay. There's five. Four, four. There's four. Okay. Who do I have? Two of them are pretty easy. Yeah, who do you got? Yeah, I would say four guys. I would say Kawhi. I would say Steph. I would say Maxi, And I would say Jason Tatum. Oh, my God. You missed on all of them. Uh, Ha! Nice. No, 20 mid-rangers. Kevin Durant. Come on, that's an easy one. And you forgot DeMar DeRozan. How do you forget DeRozan? Ah, yep. That's right. Uh, Anthony Edwards is in there. No wonder and, why Trent's taking my job. But go ahead. And, we'll, and Cade Cunningham. So I didn't have Cade in there neither. But uh, Cade Cunningham and Anthony Edwards, definitely surprising. But DeMar and Kevin Durant. Hey, you don't get those pro if I had uh, useful or useless. Well, since I got over for four, it's fucking definitely useless. But yeah, I mean, I, think just in I, I still game, say it's – I say it's useful. Just the mid-range 
if you can make them there, it's an important shot. I think you need it in your game. Um, but it's interesting that there's only four players with 20 and most teams have played eight to, you know, seven to 10 games. So, you know, that's, that's still only three a game, you know, for a high. A but but it's so. just, it's blasphemy to shoot him though these days, pro, as we've said, unless you're, unless you are a superstar player like one of these guys, you're not allowed to shoot him. But to see some guys getting them up is good. All right, Clippers, we know they're struggling. We know everything's horrific, but. And we did a little bit of harder numbers, but the last, since the trade, this is before and after the Harden trade. Before the Harden trade, the Clippers were fifth in offensive rating. They are now 25th, and it's probably going to drop even more after today's game. So from fifth to mm-hmm. 25th in offensive rating. Defensive rating, fourth <laughs> to 28th. Wow. Third, third in net rating, which is combining everything, 27th. Since the Harden trade, now it's four games, it's a small sample size, but uh, that's more than useful, I think, bro. Yeah, it's it's pretty that's pretty useful. That's pretty mind boggling, to be honest with you. I mean, there's not there's not much positivity come out of this trade on their end, is there? I mean, it's I get know, the, and I, I get the defensive side, but the offense to be that much of a drop off already, it just shows you. I think just him being a ball stopper doesn't like to catch and shoot threes, pro neither. So. That's one thing I've noticed. He's not a great – he's just gotten so accustomed to having to get those rhythm dribbles, an elite an elite three-point shooter off the dribble, like elite, elite. We'll go down as one of the best off-the-dribble three-point shooters we've had uh, of all time. But it seems like the simple catch-and-shoot three, it's almost like he needs to do a crossover first before you hoist it up. I mean, it's amazing, Bogues, with, with his game. But, like, look, the guy's – the guy has an astonishing career, 8.6 free throw attempts a game. I mean, the guy gets to the free throw line, which means he needs the ball in his hand. It, I thought he'd be – because, you know, Daryl Morey once said, like, when he had him in Houston, he was probably the most dynamic offensive player of all time. Now, of course, he's playing up his guy, right? But I, I would have thought because of the fact of what he can do and all the step back threes and stuff that he would be a 40% three point shooter. He's like 36 for his career. Playoffs, he's shooting like 33 8. So it's not like he's this big time shot maker from deep. Now, he'll make some big, like really tough shots. But um, look, he's a great player. He's going to go down in history. He's a Hall of Famer, all that stuff. But the ball stops with him. And he can't be that guy, you know. I remember obviously him saying that, like, you know, he didn't get the he needs the reins. He, he didn't get the reins or whatever the fuck he said about the Clippers. But like, sometimes he's better when he's off the ball. Like, it would be better if he just did it off the ball, where he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time, and then you go to him when you need, you know, when you're not just the ball just finds him and he can make a play instead of just like dribbling to sleep and. It bogues. It's just uh, so used to it's it. Amazing. You can't you can't yeah. put him in that PJ Tucker spot because he just he's a ball no. stopper, you know. So that's that's the yeah. issue of, of of you just struggle. You go swing, 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 and it gets to him, and it's crossover, crossover, right? So yeah, interesting, interesting numbers, nonetheless. I think we both say they're useful. All right, Caitlin Clark Pro now has five career mm-hmm. games with forty points, five rebounds, and five assists, including three against top ten opponents. Since her career begun, the rest of Division One has how many games? You think, bro? With those numbers, the the whole field of Division One, forty five and five. Men and women. 
since she's no no just just women since she started playing. How many forty point games? Forty five and five minimum. Forty five and five. She has five of her career. Over her career, yep. would you take Caitlin Clark having more forty five five games or the field of college basketball? I would I would take Caitlin. I would say it's zero to be honest with you. Three. May oh maybe it's correct three. zero. Okay. No, it's three. It's three. Yeah, so oh, she's, it's three. She, okay. she's lapped the field single-handedly with 45 and five, five separate times. She's an amazing player. Um, and those that knock uh, women's basketball, women's sport, she is an anomaly. She's amazing to watch and fun to watch and does things that you haven't seen a lot of women's basketball players do and is worth the price of admission. I, mean, I think you said that about a year ago. Um, you were saying that that's a one, one, one college uh, athlete you would go to pay and see and go and pay, happily pay money to go and see and – she is, is fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, she's probably one of the top two or three women's college basketball players of all time, which is crazy that all these NBA players, like all these college men players, they ha- they got they come out early, you know, you know, just to get the money, right? They'll get the NIL money and they go. Somebody told me a stat that she's making between two and three million dollars for her NIL, but they're not going to leave early because their rookie deal no. in yeah. the WNBA <laughs> is like fifty grand. Cut. It's like, yeah, it's, like 50, it's like 50 or 60 grand. You know, you, you get your max contract at like 225, but you don't get that until like year four. And then a lot of the women's players, they go overseas, they make their money overseas. So like she'll make their, the, you know, she'll make like 50 grand. If she chooses to go overseas, she'll make like 500, you know, on a really good team. But it's amazing. But what she does is is ridiculous. A shot making. I mean, she's really good. It, it's she's really fun to watch. She's like the Steph Curry of women's basketball. You know, as far as like in the college game, she's like watching Steph. Amazing shots, big time, unlimited range. It, it's it's just you know, it's it's mind boggling just watching her play. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. But yeah, that that's definitely a useful stat. I mean, imagine lapping all of Division One. Like you would think that, like you know, some girl that plays at like Creighton or that plays at some lower level, um, or some maybe numbers, real yeah. low level, that would beat that. You know, because mm-hmm. you you hear from like a girl that plays at like Lipscomb University. You know, yeah, that that could score fifty a game or something. But like, yeah, that's crazy that she lapped all of college basketball throughout her career. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, if you haven't seen her play for our listeners, check it out. Just YouTube some highlights. Pretty pretty fun, fun to watch. All right, last one for you, Pro. We're gonna do a useful, useless quiz for you. Who am I? Okay, I'm gonna give you some numbers, some stats. You're gonna tell me which player this is. You ready? Yep. All right. Twenty one point five points a game. Right. Ten point four rebounds per game. How many rebounds? Ten point four. Okay. Six point one assists. Yeah. One one point five steals. Uh-huh. And and two point five two point one blocks. Two point one blocks. Forty eight percent from the field and thirty eight percent from three. Who am I? Bam out of bio. Good guess, but no. Oh. East Trent, Coast. What do you got? You got a guess? <laughs> Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference. Cold hold team. Just let me, Cold City. Let me look at the No no no, hold on. Just let me look at the Eastern Conference teams and just so i can take a look and guess 
So you said 21, 10, 21, 10 and blocks. six with one and a half steals, 2.1 blocks, 48% from the field, 38% from three. Jeez. Oh, those shooting numbers, it ain't Giannis. Um, Porzingis. No, Scotty Barnes. Wow. That's amazing. I would, never, I, I saw I would those, never guess. I saw those numbers. And we spoke about last season, uh, for those familiar with our podcast, about how you know he had his ups and downs. I think his first season and second season, the numbers were really kind of the same. Didn't see a big jump. And we felt like he needed a bit more of the reins, um, kind of fitting in the three-point shot. But, man, you look at these numbers, 21 and a half, 10, 6, 1 and a half steals. Now, the blocks are anomaly a little bit. He's got 2.1 blocks a night. But 38 from three. I mean, I would never in a million years guess that they were, they were his numbers on the season. So he's having a phenomenal year, bro, at least the start of the season. You got – Bogues, you got to give it to him. Look, they're a team that's sort of in flux. They're, you know, they're sort of borderline playing right now. And, you know, they just have all these players that are just sort of thrown together, you know, Siakam and him and OG – you know, you know, Gary Trent Jr., they're just trying to figure it out. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk about the Vancouver Grizzlies, Bogues. I'm going to finish it on the <laughs> Toronto Raptors, so don't worry about it. But uh, they're they're an interesting team to watch. Uh, they got a young, they got a, a new coach, young coach. They're trying to just figure things out. I never – look, I like Scotty Barnes. I think, he's, I think he's a good player in a perfect world and a really good team. I think he's like – you know, you know, borderline second best player, probably best served as your third. But for him to put up 20, I mean, people don't understand how hard it is to put up to like, even on a trash NBA team, it's not like anybody could just jack up shots and put up 20 and 10, you know, and six assists and 1.2 blocks. It's not, it's not fucking 2K. It's hard to do that. And, you know, they're, they got a winning record, I think, still, Bogues. If, if, um, no, four and five. Um, you know, that's tough to do, man. That's, you know, my, my hat's off. Like Siakam's supposed to be the best player. He's at 16 and seven, you know, 20 and 10 and six in 1.2 blocks, you know, shooting 35 from the three isn't bad. It's, that's a tough one, man. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yep. I agree. That's why I flagged it. He's having a great year. So that's definitely useful. All right, moving on to NBL Pro. Uh, you would not have watched much, obviously, but round six, mm-hmm. which was two weeks ago, was a foulathon weekend, Pro. It was uh, it was bad to watch. Um, Brisbane versus Southeast Melbourne was one of the first games of the round. 53 fouls in that game for 77 free throws in a 40-minute game. Uh, that was then followed by Melbourne versus Perth, which had 61 fouls and 79 free throws. That was an overtime game. The first one wasn't. Um I will give credit to the NBL. They counted it this weekend, bro. They, you know, a few people were were talking about it uh, pre last round, um, saying this is ridiculous. The game was just it was it was brutal to watch. I watched both those games, and it was like, man, that was stop, start, stop, start, free throws, free throws, stop, no rhythm. It's not what people want to see. This week they've counted it, and in that there was an actual, there was a strategic effort to let a lot of the 50-50 calls go, and I think that's what you want to do. You know, if someone goes verticality. And maybe there's a slight arm bend. You don't need to call that. You can give the benefit of the doubt. The blatant ones you call. If there's a box out over on the right side of the court, and two guys are locked up and wrestling, and the ball bounces the other way. Let it go. You know. And I think they they had a really good feel for that this weekend. So I don't know this because I'm part of you know the NBL ownership group, but I would assume the you know 
games commissioner and and the NBL and Larry, I think they all had calls with the referees and said we can't we can't keep going this way. We can't keep having 50, 60,000 nights in a 40-minute game with 60 or 70 free throws. We want high-scoring games and free throws contribute to that. We can't allow this, and I give credit to the NBL. They adjusted this weekend. Bar the, bar the uh, Melbourne versus Southeast Melbourne game, which had 42,000, still had 50-odd free throws. But I think a sweet spot is, you know, if you're sitting in around 40 fouls in a 40-minute game, you know, total for both teams, 20 each team, five a quarter, that's probably the sweet spot, I think. You start getting above that, it's an ugly watch, pro. So credit to the NBL. They they adjusted on the fly, pro. Yeah, it's t- that's a tough thing to watch if you just – look, I'm a big fan of, like, referees calling fouls because, like – the fouls they need to call, like the holding f- fouls and things like that, that have impact on the play. But you can't just be – just because of you want it to be a, a fan-friendly experience in one you – know, a lot of offense, a lot of movement, freedom of movement and all that. Um, you want to see that, but you don't want to be calling every little thing. Like you're getting evaluated as a referee to, to you know make or break your job because you don't want to be doing that. It's just it's just slow, like you said, it slows the game down. I, I I think I saw you tweet something like that um, in the last few days or something like that about the about the league and things. So yeah, no, good um, job because you you know a lot of a yeah. lot of leagues will double down and you know they're fouls we caught them but you you can't you know yeah. and that's where I think our referees have 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 still a lot of room to grow is. Where the NBA, the NBA have separate issues with superstar calls and whatever, but which isn't really a huge deal in our league. But it's more, you know, yes, that is a foul by the book, but mm-hmm. did it affect the play? The ball's opposite side of the court. There was a little scuffle here mm-hmm. for a couple of seconds. Don't need to blow a double foul. Let it go, right? And I think that's where, mm-hmm. and that's more of a thing in Australian society. The book says, the book says that's a foul. I got to call it, you know, and that's what you want to teach young officials and referees is is flow and style of play, you know. Um, if it's blatant and something that really affects the trajectory of that play and the flow of it, it's a foul. Um, but if it's something that's 50-50 that you can let go, you move it on. So good job with the NBL adjusting there. Melbourne, United continue to roll. A lot of injuries right now for them, concussions and and this and that and uh, ankle sprains and knee knee injuries, and, and they just continue to roll. They're top of the ladder still. Perth is back on track. Um Bryce Cotton is back on track. Thank you. He had a little diet nice. with Adelaide 36ers a few weeks ago. Um, and they're they're a nice little uh little entree that you can eat to get your form back. And he did. He got he got he got his numbers up against them, felt good. They left him open a bunch of times, knocked some shots down. He's carried that form into three straight games. They're back on track now, back in the six. Kings back on track. They've won three straight as well. Brisbane have been steady, but have just fallen out of the six. But I still like the way they're playing. I think they they push. They probably should have beat Sydney last night. Pro, we the score was Kings were down six with a couple of minutes left and went on a fifteen zero run to close the game, which you don't want to rely on too much. But ended up mm-hmm. winning that game. New Zealand are in some trouble there at the bottom of the ladder. Uh, sorry, second last, but they still don't feel like a team that's second last to me. They, they still play very hard and they're not going to beat themselves. I still wouldn't count them out completely, but to come back from two and six is tough. Illawarra, I think you can stick a, a fork in there and they're two and seven. They're done. Adelaide just above them to round out the bottom four. Um, but it's been, it's been an exciting year. Uh, Tazia back in the top four. I think it's just going to be a tight year. I think you got Melbourne and Sydney up the top there somewhere, but even them, you know, they're only a couple of games above, above third spot in the loss column. It's just been a real fun season, pro, because the ladders, the ladder is chopping and changing every week, and that's what you want to see in a, in a league with ten teams. Is you want to see, 
you know, Brisbane go from, I think they were fourth a couple of weeks ago to seventh over a weekend. Um, Sydney back in second. Tasmania were almost out of the six. They're back at third, third now. Southeast Melbourne was second. Now they're down to fourth. So we're seeing a lot of chopping and change in pro, and I think it's it's good for a neutral fan and a spectator like I am outside of being a fan of the Kings. I'm a, I'm a fan of the league and neutral for other teams. You're just seeing anyone in any given week um, have a chance to win a pro. I, I agree with you. And I think anything, you know, you don't want to see the same things all the time, same teams up all the time. You want to see competitive stuff. You don't want to see a bunch of teams eliminated early because, you know, they're just not competing. So I think it's good to see that parity and, and just sort of see those teams sort of scrapping and, and, and staying in, you know, staying in playoff contention, staying in contention for the league. So I think it's always good to see a competitive league, you know, on any level. So that's good for sure. And one more week of NBL, um, and then there'll be a FIBA break. So one more weekend this weekend. I think a few big games coming up. I know Sydney play Melbourne, battle of one and two in Melbourne on Sunday. So I'll be eagerly seeing how that goes and a few other games along the way. And then a, a nice couple of week break um, until they come back to round out December into Christmas Pro. Fact or fake news this week? What do you got? A Yellowstone well, fact or fake news? I got one. But before we get into that, folks, what, did, what are your thoughts on the Kelly Oubre situation? I saw that actually. Yeah, we didn't mention that. He got hit by a car, right? Got hit by a car in Philly, crossing um, the street. I, you know, I didn't read too much into it, folks, but I read that he got it. He got clipped by a mirror into the chest, the higher abdomen uh, area, and he he fractured a rib. So he's going to be reevaluated in about a week. But it was scary there for a minute. Um, it was scary there for a minute because they thought he was going to, you know, they didn't know he was in the hospital. All you saw, you know, tweeted out, everybody tweeting out that he, he got rushed to the hospital. But thankfully he's back, you know, he's back home and he got discharged from the hospital. But yeah, yeah it's scary. But here's my thing, Bogues. And again, I got to read up on it. I don't, I, I don't know much about it except that, you know, he got hit to the hospital. But when you're an athlete, think about yourself, right? When do you see yourself crossing a street? Like everywhere you go, you probably go either, you know, valet parking, parking garage. Like that's weird. I mean, I guess you could be out and about and just crossing the street, no doubt about it. And, but it's just weird. You just get like an NBA athlete gets clipped in the street. I never really see many NBA athletes in the street. You see a few, but it's just weird. You know, I don't really know the context of or what happened, so I don't know 100% except well, bro, if you, that he fractured If, if you order an Uber and it pulls up on the other side of the street, you have to cross it to get in your bloody Uber, man. <laughs> well, you usually have the guy, you know, you usually, usually have like seven of your, your boys around. One of them is going to get the, the yeah, NBA yeah, player. It's, doesn't it's get pretty hard to not cross the street, though. I mean, if you're, especially a city like Philly or New York, but to the point, the, the driver uh, hit and ran as well. So welcome yeah. to Philadelphia, it's Kelly crazy. Oubre. Uh, fantastic city to live in, I've heard. <laughs> from, from Ooh, Philly is my, just, Philly absolutely is just rough, brutal man. place. Um, not, I hate not, Philly. I fucking hate Philly. It's not, it definitely was not on my bucket list. I've had numerous teammates that had played in Philly on 10 days and, and even some guys that were there longer and said it was the worst home fan base to play in front of. Like they, they hated they hated their time there for the most part. Um, this whole Philly strong and all this, it's just like I'm sure we'll get we'll get some Philly fans hopefully listening to this and, and, and bring it. It's 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 not a place I'd ever want to want to be or live it's or rough. play. And uh, the fact that 
you know, you've got you've got people just hitting running like that. Um, outside of it being an NBA player, even if it's just a regular person, like what what are you thinking? You strike someone with your car and you're just gonna especially in this day and age, like there's CCTV everywhere. Like they're eventually gonna find you, dumbass. <laughs> like, you know, like you're not you're not gonna get away with it. But um, yeah, we wish Kelly Rubio all the best. He's had had some ups and downs the last couple of seasons, but he was playing really good basketball. He's playing too. really well. Really good basketball yeah, for them really for well. Philly. And Philly are playing and really well. And a great dude. And yeah. a, I've heard, I don't know him at all, but everyone who knows him tells me he's a great dude too. Like, you know, he's an unbelievable human being. And so I'm glad he's okay. You never really want to see anything like that. You know, NBA athlete or not, you, you, you just, it's uh, it's rough. But I'll get to the fact of fake news. I got one for you this week. So you got the Milwaukee Bucks Bogues at five and four. You've got the LA Clippers at three and six. Fact or fake news, both teams will finish outside of the top three in their respective uh, conferences by the end of the year. I know it's small three. sample size. I get it. Mm. But they both teams are fucking struggling. You know, one, one for one reason, the Clippers post-trade. And the Milwaukee Bucks have been not playing great basketball. I mean, they've been playing off and on the entire season, even though it's only nine games long so far for them. But my my question to you, fact or fake news, the, both teams will finish out of the top three in their respective conferences. The Clippers, I think, will. I think they'll finish out of the top three. Milwaukee, I'm just looking at the teams above them, and I still think when healthy, they're better than New York, Orlando, Atlanta. Miami and Indiana. Um, I think Philly and Boston stay above them. I don't love Milwaukee. Like I, I said this, I said the mm. trade wasn't deck chair, to, to quote the great Mike Procopio, moving the deck chair to the Titanic. I think Drew was so valuable for them at the defensive end and just an intangibles guy. Yes, he wasn't a Dame Lillard type shot maker, but now on the day-to-day and the grind of a season, I think Drew Drew's almost just as valuable as Dame, in my opinion, for that team, for that squad, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying as far as scoring and all that kind of stuff, I think Drew's just such a good glue guy that does a lot of good things. But I saw a stat as well, when Giannis is scoring more than 40, their record this season is, is, is awful, or 35 or something, whatever. He's in the 20s and there's a dis- distribution that they're a bit better. Middleton looks mm-hmm. like a shell of himself at the moment. And he's coming back from injury. All that, how much time do you give that? And they just don't have a lot of depth. So I'd still like to think they, they could finish. Do, do you see Indiana continuing this way? I, I mean, no. I don't see them as a top three team. I, I think maybe they scrape six or seven. Um, I think who, Atlanta and Miami are probably the two teams that will compete, you know, to get into that top three. I just don't think either one of them are good enough. Um, if if there was another team in the East that could really bring it's supposed it to be like Cleveland. that, now Cleveland, where are you at? I mean, Cleveland five. Yeah, they don't look great. They're supposed to be the other one that's supposed to be up there, and I'd, I'd almost have them maybe taking that mantle at three from Milwaukee. But I just, I think Milwaukee's playing right crap. I think they will figure it out, but they do have a, a rookie head coach. They have you know they've got a lot of a lot of turmoil with the Stotts thing, a lot of distractions, blah 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 blah. Maybe Dame's in the studio too much with Giannis. Who knows? But I think that, uh, yeah, I, what I'm looking at above Milwaukee to get to three is more than achievable. So I think Milwaukee have a chance to get there. But 
both no I, i'll say i'll say fake news uh, fake news i think um i think milwaukee will get to the three yeah i say fake news too i gotta be doing a better job with this where we're gonna be splitting in uh in our opinions but i do agree i i i think it's fake news i think milwaukee just because if there was another team you know what i'm saying like the west has denver they've got you know they've got golden state they've got sack could sort of get hot you obviously you got phoenix you've got teams that are be challenging that'll be really tough to break into that top three i just don't see 60 50 60 games from now indiana sticking around even though they're historic of what they're doing offensively and you know some of the things that they're doing atlanta's being tough and but like i just don't see that other team I see Milwaukee sort of figuring it out, just like the Clippers, I think, will get better. I think they'll figure out the whole Dame Giannis thing, and you know, I think some of their bench will get a little better. So they'll start leveling the ship out. I think they'll be okay. Um, I say fake news. Also, Trent, I, I, I haven't seen Bogues you know, quote you yet, so I think my job's still good. So you better start researching some stuff for, you know, in two weeks for our next show. By the way, Houston Rockets get the W against Denver. Just that time. Yeah, I was watching that. Um, they have now moved into the fourth spot in six and three. That's a huge win for uh, for the Houston Rockets. So they are scary. One scary when you yeah one six straight when you folks when you get con you know this when you get confidence. I don't care if you're the best team, worst team. You get confidence and you start playing a certain way, and you start you know, and you have a coach that can keep you going. And keep you organized, but you, when you get confidence, isn't it? JJ Brea told me that NBA player, you get confidence. Momentum, you're you're right? tough, even if it's false confidence. You know, it's you just rolling, and they're and they're rolling right now. And so I, uh, I think that would put them. Yeah, I, I put reached them in out, third right now. I, I re, yeah, uh, I think they're still fourth according to mine. Minnesota's sixty-two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Minnesota's playing right now. They could lose to to Golden State at half. Um, I think it's a tied ball game or close. But yeah, I spoke. You know, quick. Quick text to Jock uh, last week and just basically said, Ime Odoka, real deal. Real deal or no, he said, real deal. Like, guy can yeah. fucking coach. So <laughs> he said he's fantastic with with the way he does things on a day-to-day -day basis, and you can see that. I mean, they have a lot of, you know, Houston have some gunners on the team too that can get they can get you 40-point nights, right? And they've got a good mix of veteran and, and youth on that team. I still thought they'd be a year or two away from this kind of form, but they are – they're going to be a tough beat, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing. Hopefully, hopefully they make the playoffs. It'd be, it'd be kind of interesting to see who gets knocked out if they make it. Uh, but good on the Houston Rockets. All right, pro. We'll see you in two weeks. Make sure you get us a lot of, a lot of information right. and you know a new hat for us, and let us know what's happening in Yellowstone. <laughs> we'll do that. Hopefully, the new season comes in soon. Yes, I watch it too. I, I am waiting for that. But they have, they have canceled it. Not basketball related, but they have. They've stopped it apparently, which is which is somewhat disappointing. But I highly recommend. Uh, they could have one more season. Yeah, oh, they, they are. I thought they season. were done. I thought they were done. Did something uh -uh. happen? Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, you tell me you watch the show. Yeah, they're yeah they're uh, yeah, but it's done after one season. more season, right? That's what I mean. They're cutting. Co it. Yeah, Costa's. Oh yeah, because Costa was doing his own thing, so they're gonna do one more season. This is the final one, and then they're good. And the half the half season is some bullshit. They, that was terrible. Was that because of Ryder Strike? It was a what? good. It was a good half, though. That it was, a, but as entertaining show. Uh, I'm actually going to drive down. It's like five hours from me. 
I'm going to drive down to that Four Sixes Ranch just to check it out. That that thing's is it the open? Problem for, is you're allowed to go to it. Well, the problem is I don't want them to put me in with the the rest of the cows in the herd, you know, and I, <laughs> and they start saying yeah to me and putting a a, a, a rain on me. But um, I, yeah, I guess you can go. I ordered. I actually, or you could order steaks and stuff from there. I ordered for my uncle and aunt last year for Christmas. I ordered them. I guess they said it was ridiculous, but the thing's supposed to be one of the biggest ranches in the United States. It's like. I mean, hundreds of thousands of square miles. So Beautiful. Um, I want to I want to check it out. Go take the wifey and have some R&R, bro. Yeah, why not? All right, man. We'll see you next week. All right. Later.